This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along the Reds. Wembley bound once more as the first half of the Manchester double is boxed off. We'll look ahead to Liverpool aiming to unpick a divided Manchester United, revel in the glory of Saturday's win at Anfield South and marvel at Super Sadio's heroics. Plus, we'll have our team selector and match predictions as well as reaction from Jurgen Klopp's press conference. To do all of that, we have the chief Ian Doyle, the O Squires, and here on Easter Monday, rising to return to Blood Red once more. Pleasure to welcome back David Lynch. Gents, I trust you're all well. Lynchy, how are you keeping? Yeah, good. Glad to be back. Glad to be uh, listening to more Ian Doyle zingers on this podcast. <laughs> so looking forward to that. So yeah, no, it's good to be back. Good, good. Uh, Doily, what about the, the game on Saturday then? Obviously, a week on from the, the trip to the Etihad and Liverpool seem to learn from every mistake they made in the first half at the Etihad and, and put it right in the first half at Wembley. Well, they learned from most of the mistakes, yeah. I think that's fair to say. I think the players came out afterwards, didn't they? And Trent, it was, he said, look, we all took a collective step backwards in terms of defence. We still played a high line, but but they knew that... Um, they knew that uh, they couldn't go too high because City were just able to hit, you know, get over the back of the fullbacks, and that's what they did time and time again at the Etihad. Didn't really happen so much this time, and as you said in the first half, couldn't really go much better for Liverpool, could it? I think if you'd have asked even, you know, the most staunch Liverpool supporter, do you think you'd be three 0 up at half time? Did he go? Nah, that's not happening. But the way that the game went, I don't think anybody could argue with the scoreline. Certainly City couldn't. It was never, there wasn't any complaints from them afterwards. You know, what kind of annoyed me a little bit funny me to reflect on the negatives but after the game um on my twitter timeline and i'm pretty sure it'd be the same for, for some of the others i'm pretty sure lynchy would have got some of this is that you know some liverpool fans who quite clearly had not been at the game by the way just given the fact that they were tweeting me straight afterwards were complaining about saying oh well we were not so much they were a bit lucky but we've got to learn from that second half why did we stop playing this that and the other and it's like well did you really expect man city to go three nil down and then the second half just chuck it in I mean, they were talking like probably still the best team in the world. Well, they did have one or two players missing. They were, they were up the Stepe Cup semi-final. No matter who it was that Liverpool were coming up against, they were going to have a comeback in the second half. And we know we've seen games so often in the past that, you know, Liverpool don't make it easy for themselves at times. But when you're playing a team against Manchester City, if they go 3-0 down, they are going to have a reaction. And that's exactly what Liverpool, you know, rather than complain about Liverpool's second half performance, perhaps the, it should be praising Liverpool for the fact that you know, apart from the beginning at the end of the, of the half, I mean, there was the one chance, wasn't there, for Jesus, which Alisson saved. So he didn't really create very much, did they? In between those two goals, it was that one chance and that was it. Liverpool had a large spell of about 20, 25 minutes where it looked like they weren't under any pressure, any real trouble whatsoever. And that came from the, obviously, the foundation of what they did in the first half and the um, the level of performance in the second half, which, you know, Thiago spoke after the game. He said, he said, I know, he said we kind of threw it away in the second half. I mean, I think he's been a bit harsh on Liverpool there, but if you kind of know what he means, you know, they nearly threw it away if it had gone to three all. But overall, I don't think anyone could complain. As you say, Guy Liverpool learned the lessons from the previous week. And uh, it's quite funny. Jurgen um, Klopp, in his press conference before the semi final, was asked. Um, in the breakout in the embargo section, which I'm pretty sure didn't get used, which you'll see why in a minute when I explain it, he got asked the question about, do you think it makes it easier if you play somebody so soon afterwards? Because you can learn from the, you know, and, and basically if you play a team so many times, very often it becomes easier to play against them. 
and he just wasn't having, having that question at all. But it turns out that the point actually was correct. Yeah, definitely. Theo, accurate scoreline, do you think, in the end? I mean, I, I would actually kind of go along with what Dory was saying before. Of actually, 3-1 three, three, was probably a fairer one. The last one was very much a, a consolation. And Liverpool, even in the second half, did still have a couple of chances and, and just seemed to, as soon as the team sheet dropped, seemed to sort of have City's number, it seemed. Well, if you listen back to last week's podcast, I think you'll find I said it would be 3-2. So I'm very much taking that prediction and getting it spot on. Um, but yeah, as soon as the team sheet dropped, there was that confidence in Liverpool. Like You saw the City, they were missing the big players. They were going with the number two goalkeeper. The back four wasn't really up to much. You knew if Liverpool started well, learnt their lessons from the Etihad, that it could have the potential to be a, a good day for them. And then when you look at the Liverpool team, it was very much a case of learning what went wrong at the Etihad and changing that. It was, oh, we were getting players in behind us too much. Let's make the defence a bit quicker. Let's put Canate at centre-back. The midfield wasn't really up to much in the first half, especially at the Etihad. So they changed uh, Jordan Henderson for Cater. And then it looked amazing in the second half at the Etihad when Sadio Mane went central and then when Diaz came on for his little cameo. So it was just a case of sticking with that and it worked really well as a team, it, it definitely helped that it was an FA Cup semi-final in the fact that there had to be a winner on the day. I think at the Etihad, it, it was more a case of both sides. It was a game they couldn't lose, whereas this one, there was always going to be that winner. And it was one where you get that early goal in the second half at the Etihad for Liverpool and at Wembley for City. It changes how the game goes. Like You do just retreat a little bit. I oh, were quite happy with 3-1, quite happy with 2-all. This is a good result for both teams. Yesterday, or yesterday, Saturday, it was a, a good result for Liverpool in that way. And they tried to manage the game the rest of the way. And it's just, well, where do they go now? Is it a psychological blow to Man City or is it a benefit for them? The fact that they're now out the FA Cup, they can focus on the league, they can focus on the Champions League. And it's a game where they haven't had to put Kevin De Bruyne in. There were questions to Guardiola after that. Why have him on the bench if you're not going to bring him on? Because he could have had the potential to change that game back into City's favour. But I don't think anyone's going to be on the city side is going to be complaining. They'd much rather have them fit for the league running, for the Champions League running. And Liverpool, they got the job done with big players putting in some big performances. I didn't realise just how good the third goal was until you see it back on the highlights the next day. Like the whole team move was superb, and that that pass from Thiago was exceptional. When Mane hits it, from our view, it looked like maybe he didn't hit it quite cleanly, or the keeper could do better at the near post, and he's just been caught out. No, it was just a superb volley. And then you can make all your comments you want about um, goalkeeper not clearing it properly for Mane's first goal, but it's still great play from him to harry him in the first place, get that tackle in without fouling him. Uh, Liverpool very nearly had that similar situation at the Etihad when Edison let it roll onto his own goal line. And then we, we say it pretty much every week at the moment, how good Liverpool are at set pieces is Ibu Kanate scores yet again. Uh, cometh the hour, cometh the man. It went as well as it could for Liverpool, even with that little collapse in the second half. But by then they were managing the game. Could have won by more. Job done. On to Wembley again. Yeah, definitely. Somewhere in there, Lynch Heathio said, is it going to be a psychological blow for Man City? What's your take on that? Do you think it is a marker laid down on them or is it just a case for them that it it felt, looking at their team sheet in particular, it was a game they they could have done without and weren't too fussed to go out Albeit it was an FA Cup semi-final. Yeah, I think it, I think in terms of what it'll do for both sides mentally, you know, Liverpool will definitely take the positives from it. There's no way, you know, at the end of the day, getting a win over Manchester City this late in the season, knowing that you could be, in, you know, it, the title race is going to be obviously a straight shootout, but then knowing that you could have them in the Champions League as well, it, it's definitely helpful to take that. But I think for City, they'll probably think it's quite easy to sort of shake it off because, as you say, so many changes 
you know, I, I was, I was going to say I, I almost felt for City. I, I, I never ever feel any sympathy for Manchester City, but I, I think I, you've you've got to sort of say really that that Pep's hands were tied, weren't they, really, with that team selection? I think I, I've seen he's got quite a bit of criticism around it, and I just think, well, if Liverpool had had the same week, I think Jurgen Klopp would have done exactly the same. They were, you know, rather fortunate that their tie was was basically stitched up in the first leg, and obviously Liverpool deserve great credit for that. But the you know the draw itself. Was, was extremely helpful in comparison to what Manchester City had to face. So I don't think really Pep Guardiola had any choice about that. And, and you know, the difference in the teams, really, you know, having seen the evidence of what the two first teams against each other looked like at the Etihad, we know that the big difference maker really probably was, yes, Liverpool were better, but also that City were, you know, in very key areas, were, 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 had different players in there. So I think that that made a massive difference. And I think that, that should make it easier for City to just think, Okay, that's not decisive. It is just one of those things. We put a different team out because we had to, and we got beat. But if the two, two teams were come together in the the Champions League final, I don't think that's going to be weighing heavily on City minds, or it certainly shouldn't be. Yeah, definitely. Doily surprised as well. We saw a yellow card for Fernandinho. It took him about five yeah. swipes to to finally get one. But but equally as well, just want to kind of pay credit to the the, the Liverpool support as well because after what we kind of saw last year of the empty stadiums, and I suppose we said it through last season that one team who, who really I suppose benefited from being behind closed doors was Manchester City which was obviously proven in them in them winning the Premier League title but that support uh, at Anfield South as it's affectionately known was absolutely incredible I mean since the new Wembley's been rebuilt I have to say I'm, I've, I've not watching on TV kind of seen that kind of atmosphere come across obviously you guys there and everything it, it, it must have been absolutely rocky and it helps when they scored two goals in the first 17 minutes, yeah. let's be honest. You know, so, yeah, but so then, that, it, then it spurs them on that, even that, more. Yeah, I know, I know what you're saying is that there's not every game that's going to happen in. I mean, I thought the atmosphere in the um, the League Cup final was actually fairly decent. That was only, yeah. what, seven weeks ago? Because it was a bit colder, let's be honest. I mean, the weather contrib- contributed as well. It was just a, a nice day all round in terms of that. Um, I know... Should we just address it straight away then? The stuff, the city chance that happened during the, the minutes silence. I mean, I I've written something which hasn't gone online. Certainly not when we were recording this yet. Which is, it's a little bit like something I wrote about six years ago when there was the whole between Liverpool and United, and there was the the, the you know the Hills from Munich Heisel kind of chance that people were not addressing in the media. And I think we have to start doing this now. Fortunately, I think it's been a kind of a change of. You know, emphasis on the way these things are dealt with. We saw with Liverpool earlier this season with the, you know, the homophobic chance at the yeah, Norwich right. game, first game of the season, where you know they dealt with that really well. And I do wonder whether it's up to Manchester City now to to deal with that because there'll be, you know, while obviously all Liverpool fans, any right-minded individual, just thinks, why on earth did they do that? That's it's kind of it's basically it's point scoring over uh, over a, over a loss of life. Basically, that's what it is. That's that's the, what this whole thing is. There, it's disrespecting. You know the victims of the Hillsborough disaster, and there'll be thousands and tens of thousands of Manchester City fans who'll just have heard that and been in that stadium and been like, "What on earth are they doing?" You know. So, unfortunately, though, there was it wasn't just one or two; it was a couple of hundred, wasn't it? And, and I'm, I mean, you watched it on television. Could you hear it? Could yeah, you hear it? Uh, yeah. I mean, they brought the silence to to. Uh, well, that's it. I've got to say, Michael Oliver. You know, he actually, you know, he shouldn't have had to have done it, but he did it quite well because he could see what was happening. He thought, well, you know. We better end this now. So it's just sad, really, that that's happened. And then also, there's there's the you know, the, let's all have a laugh at Manchester City not selling out their end. But 
you know, I don't think we should be having a go. You know, it's very expensive to get down. There's no trains. We know what situation awful lot of people are in at the moment. It's 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 not easy for a lot of people. And Manchester City have been to Wembley loads of times in the last couple of years. So I'm not going to criticise fans for not turning up for that game because we've all said, well, I'm pretty sure we all agree, the semi-finals shouldn't even be at Wembley anyway. Why on earth wasn't that played somewhere a lot nearer? They could have easily found a way around that. But we know why that is. It's all about money for the for the FA and it will be like that for the foreseeable future. So I'm not sure that's going to change. But going back to your initial question, yeah, I think Liverpool's support was excellent, as I said, helped the way that the game went. But they stuck with them in the second half. I thought, uh, and by the end, it was quite funny, wasn't it, with Klopp? You know, he likes his little traditional what was it what do we call it triple fist pump i think we call it call it these days that's a trademark now i think imagine if, if he trademarked that he'd get to make a fortune so um he wasn't going to do it was he and it was only when i, I saw the, the highlights milner said to him you know get yourself out there and do it and he he dropped a shoulder lost one of the cameramen went up there and, and did it and the fans absolutely love it and it's become this kind of thing he doesn't do it absolutely every game he does it for games that really matter or games where he's thought that you know they've had to dig in and, and, and get that one and i think if you can't do it after you've just beaten Manchester City at Wembley, then when can you do it? The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I don't think he, I don't think he like as you said there about trademarking. I don't think he likes kind of the the, the, the culture it's built of it being its its thing type thing. As you say, drop the shoulder I, to beat. Yeah, camera I think away. I think he I likes think he'd it wish the... to do it not with the cameras there, just yeah. with the supporters. But... It's for the supporters, and yeah. the point you made before about Manchester City benefiting from no one being there and well an awful lot probably all of the fact clubs i should say they did not benefit from there being no fans there but what a surprise liverpool has stand for a quadruple after having had a year of nobody there who knew yeah theo you're feeling beginning to feel more confident that it it, it might be on obviously Jurgen klopp's still banishing all talk of the quadruple but through now to another final yeah, through to another final, and it's going to be another horrible one against Chelsea. Uh, it's what we expected, but it's what I think the one we didn't want. It's been nice to have Crystal Palace in a, a different game. Um, you just can't take it any differently than a game at a time, though. And it's helped for Liverpool, where in the Premier League especially, I think since City lost to Spurs, Liverpool have played first every single time when they've both been playing on a match day, on, on a weekend or in midweek. And this derby at the weekend is going to be the, the first time um, City have been first since well, before that that Tottenham defeat. Um, but it still feels like the title is City's to lose. And the FA Cup, well, we, we see what games against Chelsea are like. They've not been able to separate them in the league. That's go to penalties for the League Cup final. That game is too hard to call. Uh, it could play into Chelsea's hands that, well, they're out of Premier League contention. They're out of the Champions League. That is their big chance of silverware now. We know all the turmoil that's going on there with the ownership and everything. That perhaps plays into their hands, whereas Liverpool have got this distraction of, or the Premier League title could still go down to the last day. And you'd like to think they'll be in a Champions League final as well. Don't want to write off Villarreal because, you know, Emery is brilliant in these cup competitions. He's done it against Liverpool before with uh, Seville. But it would feel like a disappointment if Liverpool don't get at least one more trophy. Uh, I think it helps that it is one game at a time. Like, you don't want any of them to come out and say they're going to win a quadruple because that's when you're putting the pressure on yourselves. If they take it a game at a time and then they see what the situation is, that's when you can come and pick up these trophies. Um, I think they're now, they're already the most, the team in England that's gone closest to winning the quadruple. Like, they're not at the date yet, but because their second leg against Villarreal is later than Chelsea's when they were knocked out of the Champions League in 06, 07, it is the closest anyone will go to it. 
But when you look at the teams that have gone close to the quadruple before, all of them won the, the League Cup. None of them won the Champions League. There's always that burnout there at the end of the season. So it's kind of telling that Liverpool going closest is when they've got this squad depth, when they are able to rotate, when they can do six, seven changes for a Champions League quarterfinal and then an FA Cup semi-final and still compete along the board. Uh, I don't think they're going to win the Premier League, but you'd like to think they're going to at least win one of these cups. And it's been a great season for him so far. As Doyley said, it's no sort of coincidence that the fans are back at Liverpool reaching these new levels. It's just a shame that they weren't able to carry on as a team last year without the fans, that they had to have this also, this like it'd be in limbo for it when they had all the injuries and everything. But we're seeing how good this side is, how good a team, as good a squad Jurgen Klopp's built. And now it's a case of proving whether they really are the best team in England, the best team in Europe, best team in the world, or whether Man City are still going to be champions of England and they're just the ones that uh, pick up the domestic cups, pick up the uh, the European competition. Uh, what we saw at Wembley, the 3-2, that wasn't City's strongest team. If we're getting to see them in the Champions League final come May, it's going to be a hell of an end to a season for both clubs. Theo yeah, absolutely loves that stat, by the way, that date one. He, was, he found that out, didn't you, before the uh, yeah, final. He was really proud about it. He was desperate <laughs> to come off, but it has. It's well a decent one. I mean, that Chelsea team, <laughs> yeah, that, that Chelsea team did, they didn't win the league either, did they? they did. No, they didn't. They Burnley. finished second. They won the domestic then, cups. Yeah, and then Mourinho left the following September, I think it was. So, yeah, crikey. Um, You're saying Klopp's off then? No, I'm not saying Klopp's off. No, that's, that's, that's <laughs> I think you're that you are now. You, you've the, now been quoted the, on yeah. all the fan websites are saying that Klopp's yeah. got to follow Mourinho's lead and he's gone. I right. tweeted it. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah. It's over. It's Doyle's job to say Klopp's gone. So uh, yeah, I'll, just, I'll just leave that on to him. Uh, Lynch, in terms of this, I mean, it, it's remarkable, isn't it? There's not going to be a free week now for the remainder of the season, a game every three or four days of how Liverpool get through it. But I suppose Jurgen Klopp has, has managed this squad with the riches he's got at his disposal so expertly well. Even a player like Jordan Henderson, for example, in recent weeks hasn't quite been at his level. Maybe in previous seasons, Klopp would have kept him in there for what he brings to the wider team. But Naby Keita, who this time last year had been hooked off at Real Madrid and didn't play again, comes in and, and puts in a brilliant display in the midfield. And all of a sudden, that midfield three, I know he's asked about it in the press conference ahead of the United game, that midfield three is as hard to pick as the forward three. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I've been as critical as anyone of, of Naby Keita, to be honest, um, during his Liverpool career. I think, you know, obviously he was extremely unlucky with the injuries. Um, but I do, I, you know, generally speaking, his, his form has been quite patchy as well. Even when he has been fit, and I, I suppose the two things go hand in hand. But the fact he's coming on strong now at this point of the season, at this, you know, with all that's going on in so many competitions, it's such a massive boost for Liverpool. I mean, you do expect Jordan Henderson to maybe come in against Manchester United just because of the turnaround is quite tight, and, and they'll need some freshness in there. But it it just shows you that the fact that when you get around to your next big game that it's not a nailed-on decision for who starts in central midfield. It's, well, that's interesting, the position that Jürgen Klopp's not really been in. Um, and I, I just want to go back, actually, to the, the quadruple point as well. And I, I don't know if you guys get the same feeling as I do about this, but just just a feeling that things are really, really coming together in, in so many different ways. So, for example, obviously, we spoke earlier about the, the Champions League draw. Now, obviously, that, that was helpful in itself to get sort of possibly the two weaker teams left in the draw on both occasions, but also the fact that it's now helping Liverpool in the FA Cup by forcing City to put out a weaker team. You know, other things going their way. So, Luis Diaz becoming available in, in January. You know, I, I don't think that's a deal they would have pushed to do unless they knew that Tottenham were getting involved and sniffing around. They would have been happily waited until the summer. The fact they've got him in and he's hit the ground running, he's added to the squad like we're talking about. 
little things I can hear in today. Villarreal striker Gerard Moreno's uh, got hamstring injury, hasn't he? So doesn't really look good for him featuring against Liverpool. And you ask anyone at Villarreal, he's probably their most important player. So, you know, just these little things are all coming together. And, and you know, and I like the squad depth for that, which I think is now, I think Liverpool at the moment, with the way January went with, with City losing Ferran Torres and Liverpool getting Luis Diaz, I think Liverpool have got the strongest squad of the two now. Um, and so it's just all, it's all coming up t- together. And I, I just think they've got, they're never going to have a better opportunity than this to, to to do the quadruple, surely, or certainly in our lifetimes, I imagine. So they should just try and win them, really, I think. Yeah, listeners, viewers, the optimism there at the highest point it could be, over to you, Ian Doyle. uh what's the question sorry just the quadruple now i mean theo Theo reckons it's on the date he's absolutely loving it lynch has gone on about the squad depth and and diaz and what he's brought to the squad and i mean that that depth as well i mean mentioned there about naby cater but at the top end of the pitch now i mean diogo jota seemed for the, the whole part of the season that he'd been the man who'd done the impossible job of replacing roberto firmino and now you're looking at it and saying, actually, is, is Sadio Mane the first choice centre-forward? And Roberto Firmino has come back and reminded everybody that he still exists as well, so yep. that helps. Um, so, quadruple, can they do it? Of course they can. Will they do it? No. I mean, let's go. In fact, <laughs> in fact let, let us just say what Jurgen Klopp himself said. He said, can, will we win all four? No. He says, will we win three? Probably not. Will we win two? He says, I'd like to think so. And he said that I mean, we were saying in February. He said that, he said that before the semi-final. He said that yeah. before the semi-final. So, I mean, he made a very good point in that press conference where he said, you know, everyone will be like, oh, great, we beat Man City. If they win, he says, great, we beat Man City. He says, but then look who we've got in the final, Chelsea or Palace. And I think he'd said that knowing quite well it was going to be Chelsea. And we know that, ugh, I mean, that's probably going to be Liverpool's most difficult game. No matter who they play in the Champions League final, that FA Cup final will probably be the most difficult game between now and the end of the season, I think. Because it will either be, yes, this is the next part of the quadruple, because it's as with the uh, the League Cup final, it's winner or lose, this is it. You know, it could just end there. I mean, they might still have another chance of winning another two trophies. Or by then, it could be that is the only trophy they can possibly win. So it's going to be a, it's going to be such a big game. Um, I mean, but, they will have two Premier League games left, won't they? So, they I mean, will, but... I hope the gap's not... You will, but, you know, it, it, I'm saying it could. I'm not saying it will be, I'm saying it could. I mean, yeah, you're right, but... Another thing is, I don't necessarily think that being in the FA Cup still is going to... Going back to the point you said about a psychological advantage, I agree with Lynch, I don't think City will be bothered in the slightest by what's happened. And I think for Liverpool, it's just one more game, that's it. One more game. You know, the Southampton games getting moved to what the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They, they're so used to being in the rhythm of playing, you know, twice a week that it won't make any difference. Um, so yeah, they can do it. They've got the squad. No one's injured at the moment. What's interesting for me, actually, <laughs> we haven't mentioned Mo Salah yet. You know, the uh, the world's worst player, according to some people now. <laughs> it was, it was, it was earlier this season. Everyone was like, oh, well, Liverpool are just Mo Salah. Imagine if you took him out of the team or he stopped scoring. Well, he stopped scoring. He went out of the team. For a while, because he was at the African Cup of Nations, and then he came back and hasn't been scoring. And oh look, Liverpool are still on for the quadruple. So, you know, those critics have decided to turn it on Salah, who I thought actually played quite well against Man City. But he had a good game. He was, un- he was unlucky, yeah, not, he was unlucky he was... not to score. I mean, in the he first half, at the end, though. Yeah. Well, no, I think he, he chose the other option of just hitting it as far wide as he possibly could, <laughs> just waste a bit of time. I think in the first half, Liverpool's players for some reason were trying to give him like 
balls that were just incredibly ridiculous that he could never possibly get. And then I think someone must have said something at half time and said, Do you mind putting it on the floor to him? You know, so I think that helped. But uh, the quadruple, it's still on. They can, they can do it. They probably won't. But if they did do it, I don't think anybody could, could be surprised from this point. And as Lynchy said, there's probably, they're probably never, well, they've never ever been in this situation before. They almost certainly will never be in it again. They've already done the hard work in one of them by beating Chelsea in a final. They've already beaten Man City in one of the competitions. So they know what they have to do and they know they can do it. And that's the interesting thing is before then, there was that kind of fear, like when they played Chelsea, it was like, oh, well, they got, they drew with them twice. They got beat by them last season. You know, can they really beat them? And the answer was yes. Admittedly, it was after 37,000 penalties, but they still beat them. And then for the City game, you know, the last week has been massive because they didn't play particularly well in the Premier League game. City still couldn't beat them. And then when they played well for one half, as Klopp said, the big surprise would be if we actually turned up and played well. 3-0 up. And I also don't buy the whole thing about, well, well, City made X, Y, Z changes. And it's like, well, De Bruyne was injured anyway. Walker was injured anyway. Um, you could argue Laporte could have played instead of um, Ake. Ake. But Diaz was coming back from an injury anyway. So they wouldn't have played anyway, no matter who they were playing. The only real change was the keeper. I mean, for me, the interesting thing... Rodri was, as well. And Rodri, yeah, I was going to say. Oh, Rodri, sorry, yeah, yeah, Rodri as well. But even then, they bring in Fernandinho. Or, okay, he's... I was about to say he's almost as old as I am, but he's kind of like until you're about an hour into the game, you can just foul whoever he wants. So it's kind of like you know he's a little fouling machine, so it's okay. It's ridiculous in the first half when he he literally. He's always been like that though. That's fine. I think he's great. Diago and White Cat Piaz. I think he's great. So you could say that. I don't understand why Maris didn't play any of the game. He's the top scorer. Why wasn't he playing? Normally does quite well against Liverpool. Only made one change, didn't they? Why was Minamino not playing his top goalscorer in the FA Cup, Doily? <laughs> well, that's stupid. Well, hang on. They, play, they could play anyone in the FA Cup. We're talking against Liverpool. Against Liverpool. He does quite well. So, that's silly, Theo. Are we live, by the way? No, we, we, no, we, we can cut we, that we bit can out chop, then, yeah. We can just chop Theo out completely. No. I'm just <laughs> saying Morris isn't in their strongest starting eleven. That's all you, I'm you saying. You can cut all of our stuff out really? as well, to be honest. <laughs> really? He's their, he's, he's their top scorer. But in, in terms he's, of... In he's terms of top scorer, yeah. In he terms might of be, but he's still not the best front three. I don't know. I'll tell you, look, you had a good game again. Jesus always has a good game against Liverpool. He always has a good game. And Liverpool should try and sign him, I reckon. Not that it'll ever happen, but there you go. He always looks like he's been slighted in some way, though. You know, he looks like he's just been had off, and he's got one of those faces. A bit like yours, then. Yeah, always happy. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Theo, in terms of Sadio Mane, then I know you, you you wrote a piece over the course of the weekend. His contract situation isn't all too different to Mohamed Salah's. Do you think the the outcry will, will, will get to similar levels? Does he does is he as important to be kept around as Mohamed Salah is? I mean, he's 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 looked in the last few weeks since Diaz has come in that he's he's kind of been reborn now into either a centre forward or just wherever he's playing on the pitch. It's just maximum efficiency from him. I don't think there's going to be ever as loud an outcry for him just because he's always almost in Salah's shadow, but he is equally important. And the fact that he's now reinvented himself as this striker, it goes from he's a player you'd perhaps sacrifice to afford Salah's wage to actually be quite beneficial to keep around because he's got this versatility and he can do two roles in the team 
really well. Um, if Salah, they don't agree a contract, it works into Mane's hands because he can now be the new poster boy, be able to up his demands. And then if Salah does stay, well, it's up to him. Does he want to stay as well? Or will he just go to one of the big European clubs who have been sniffing around Salah in the first place? Uh, he's come in and scoring the goals when Liverpool needed someone to score the goals because Salah had started to get a little bit tired. Uh, I wrote in that piece, uh, he's had moments against Man City before when he scored goals, but they've always been overshadowed by his teammates, whether it's Fabinho scoring a screamer, Oxlade-Chamberlain scoring a screamer, the Salah chip, the Firmino chip. It's always just he's there, but he's not been the star of the show. You think Mane and Man City, you think that Edison, red card. Well, he's changed that now. He's had his great equaliser at the Etihad, and then he's got this match-winning brace, and he's really stepping forward as this lead in Liverpool forward. I think, well, would they still be going for a quadruple if he wasn't the one scoring the goals? Because as many goals as Diogo Jota scores and Firmino's shown he's still there, Mane's just offering that bit more in attack. He can drop deep. He's got that physical approach. He's an all-round number nine now, and he's just adapted to that role really well. Um, we talk about Salah and you think, well, he could still be playing to the highest level well into his mid-30s when you think of Benzema, Lewandowski. Sadio Mane's in the same boat there. If you can keep up these levels, he's certainly staking that claim. He probably didn't get the credit he should have done during the title winning year because he was the one getting all the important goals. And then the season was just stopped by the pandemic and they sort of almost stumbled over the line because they were so close to it in the first place and none of the players got to the previous levels. I think it was Henderson who got the awards when Mane should have been in that conversation. Well, now he's stepping up and staking his claim as one of these leading players when they need him to most. Long may it continue. Klopp was saying that he won't have needed these new sign-ins or this new change of position to keep wanting to play to the best of his ability and to be this consistent player. We know he struggled a bit in the pandemic and he came out and said that himself. He doesn't know why he wasn't playing at his best. Uh, he's found his form again and Liverpool fans will surely appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Right, let's talk about the, the upcoming game at Anfield with Manchester United and Lynch. I mean, 5-0 at Old Trafford earlier in the season. Since then, of course, there's been a managerial change. What's the expectation going into this one? I mean, is it even one of those where we've spoken about the squad that Liverpool can actually look to, to make a few changes ahead of taking on Man United? Um, I, th I think he'll be wary because, uh, you know, Manchester United are not they're not what they were by, by a long way um, and a possibly a worse side than the one Liverpool thrashed earlier this season, in fact. But I still think, you know, it's a big game for them. If they could, you know, they'd absolutely love to put a spanner in the works, wouldn't they? And even if that means turning up and playing sort of ugly football at, at Anfield and, and, and just nicking something, they, they would happily do that, I'm sure. Um, so I, I don't think you can make too many changes. Um, but again, you know, it, you look at this on... You know, on the fixture list and, and on paper, you would have thought this this is a really sort of sticky sticky tie for, for Liverpool on the way on the title running and one where one of the more difficult games or one where City could perhaps expect that they might slip up. But it just it just doesn't feel like that anymore, does it? I mean, I was at I was actually at Old Trafford on on um, on Saturday and after Ralph Rangnick. So obviously they they beaten Norwich three two back in the top four race, really considering the the, the results that happened around them as well. But I've never seen a manager so 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 downbeat after a win. Um, I think he he sort of basically said, you know, if we play anything like that against Liverpool, we will we'll get whacked basically. And I think I think he's absolutely right. I just think there's so, there's so many problems with that team. Midfield's a mess. I just think opportunities to press. You know, they're so reliant on Ronaldo's goals to the point that if you stop the ball getting near him, which Liverpool will, um, 
you know, they, they, they don't have much threat elsewhere. It's, yeah, they're just not in a good place at all. And I can completely understand why Rangnick's not particularly looking forward to this one. I think Liverpool should, you know, I think he'll, he'll go with as close to his strongest team as he can. But I think Liverpool should think that they could wrap this one up early. It's one of those, isn't it, Doyle, that, that Klopp never seems to kind of play the fixture, as it were. He plays the opposition that he's analysed and watched and looking at Manchester United, he, even since Ranić's replaced Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I think for a, a lot of people would probably say that there wasn't even that much need to make the change. It's not as though Ranić's actually had that much of, of an uplift at Old Trafford. Jurgen Klopp will, will just be, I suppose, putting that side out there to, as Lynchy said, I suppose, deal with them as quickly as he can and, and move on to the next one. The funny thing is how you judge Manchester United. You judge Manchester United over what you remember Manchester United as being, which was quite good. Now, now, if they were absolutely as rubbish as everyone's saying, they'd be last. But as Lynch, you <laughs> said, they're going to, they're going to, you know what I mean? So if they're going to, they're going to be fourth, fifth or sixth, they'll probably finish fifth, really, behind Tottenham, I think. Um, although they did beat Tottenham both home and away. So what does that tell you? Um, did they beat Arsenal? Yeah, they beat everyone beats Arsenal, don't they? Sorry, guy, I had to get that in somewhere. Um, no problem. Um, but yeah, United, they are not, individually, they're nowhere near as bad as they are collectively which is the complete opposite to what it normally is. It just doesn't make any sense, does it? I mean, you'd probably want to sign a lot of their players, certainly the attacking players. I mean, I'm not so keen on some of the defenders, like. But the, the goalkeeper, you know, there's every chance De Gea comes to Anfield and does what he normally does at Anfield and makes about 10 saves and gets man of the match. He's done it so many times in the past, nothing to stop him this time. I mean, I know when Liverpool... I'll tell you, it won't be 5-0 to Liverpool. I can tell you that right now. No chance there's going to be repeated. 6-0. If it's 6-0, I will literally give you a pound. Bridge uh, <laughs> goal. There you go. Six pound. <laughs> so, yeah. the um, United, Klopp, when he was speaking of the embargo stuff, so I can't really mention it too much, but he did kind of make a point of, if you actually sat down and write out so many of the players, you'd go, oh, he's quite good, he's quite good, he's quite good. And... He has put out a little bit of a warning. If, if, if you leave certain players to their own devices, they can just hurt you. And that's what United have got, which is why they are where they are. I mean, the bloke up front, who, who you know, not quite as good as Messi, but still quite good at football. He must be, again, he's, he's like Fernandinho, about as old as I am, but he's still scoring the goals. I mean, whether he's a, don't want to turn to a Manchester United pub, whether he's the, the reason that they've not perhaps kicked on and they're not quite as together, only they'll know. Because you know what it's like, Ronaldo. It's got to be the Ronaldo show or, not, or nothing. So it will be interesting to see what they do with him. Because if they want to play a certain way and press Liverpool, he can't play. But then mm. else can play. So, you know, as I say, United, not very good, but better than we all seem to laugh at and think. And they will cause Liverpool problems. But Liverpool are quite clearly massively better than them. And if you ask me, you know, just to... I'm very much expecting to come away from that game and be typing a tweet saying, I cannot believe how bad Manchester United are. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you they're not maybe as bad as what we think, but genuinely, I think they're shocking. Uh, but, no, they're, but, they're, but they're going to finish fourth or fifth. Are they ahead of Arsenal? Ahead of Arsenal, sorry. Yeah, on, on, on goal difference right now. They are. Yeah, but they come to... Yeah, I know, but yeah, that's not going to go Arsenal. No, 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 no. no, no. I know exactly what just, you're saying, but just... equally, they started this season. They finished second last year. And they were... They they bought in Varane, Cristiano Ronaldo, Jaden Sancho. But we knew, yeah. But we how, knew how Ronaldo. Ronaldo was a strange signing. We knew, and they yeah, just, obviously, they only signed him because he was going to City. Yeah, Varane well, he wasn't. They just played. Well, he wasn't, was he? Yeah, the whole yeah. thing is, he got it done there, didn't he? Basically, Varane 
injury prone and he's ended up being injury prone and he might not play might need Lynch, i think, I think he's, yeah he's out yeah he's out yeah so yeah I mean, funny enough, some of United's better players this season are the likes of Fred and McTominay, who've mm. managed to just get stuck oh, in. And so they'll be they'll be big misses. And I always think Fred has a decent enough game against Liverpool. Certainly in Anfield, I've seen him have a good, couple of good games there. So he's he's probably the prime example of is he Manchester United level that we're used to? No. Is he as rubbish everybody says? No. No, I he's agree. Kind of... but I, I I I understand what you're saying, and I do agree. But equally, I do think they are terrible. Um, and... <laughs> you can't say that though. You can't say I can, that. and I did. And I will. What, what you could say is when there's a big game, they massively yeah. underwhelm, such as at City, such as at home against Liverpool, such as at home against. But it's uh... about mentality, isn't it? I mean, like I say, well, that's the they, thing. They, they were built this year supposedly to put a title. I mean, but, certain yeah, pundits they... out there predicted they'd finish above Liverpool. It's laughable when you look at it, when actually the mentality they're built off compared to what Jurgen Klopp has instilled at Anfield. And them coming to Anfield, even in their heyday, was a tough fixture for them, even when, when Liverpool probably weren't their match. Yet, they're going to come to, to Anfield now. It's, it's a night game. The atmosphere is going to be up. The club have just reached an FA Cup final. And I think they'll turn them over. Theo, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I, I don't see... I mean, I might be tempting fate here. I don't see it's, it's going to be too much of a problem other than a routine Liverpool win. They're not as intimidating as they were. And as Doyley says... They're better individuals than they are a team. Maybe they're suffering a bit of a, a Euros hangover here or something. Like um, I saw what Maguire was exceptional at the Euros. Luke Shaw was exceptional at the Euros. Um, Rashford boy, misses the penalty. Sancho misses the penalty. And they just, this problem with that camp, the, the fact that they can't play well as a team. And those two defenders who were, I think, in the team of the tournament at the Euros have had miserable campaigns when they were so superb. And I think Shaw was really good, was it, last season? Like he kept Salah in his back pocket for, was it a nil-nil draw yeah. at Anfield? And then he just got turned over later on in the season when Liverpool played them. But they've had these players that are just underperforming. And you can say, well, Ronaldo going in, that wasn't the signing they needed. They needed a proper holding midfielder. If you put Fabinho in that team... Rodri, Kante, they are a much better outfit. They just went and signed another striker. But then as the season unfolds, you look, well, maybe they still need another forward. Um, there's the, the one incident that's the elephant in the room that I'm not going to actually vocalise. There's the fact that Cavani's old and injured. Ronaldo's old. Rashford's in poor form. Sancho's not really done what they expected him to do. They've got so many things that are going wrong for them. We said in the podcast how everything's going right for Liverpool. It's the complete opposite of Old Trafford. Maybe they could get a good manager who will turn it on in the summer and get all the players playing to the best of their abilities and it will just click. But for what we've seen at Old Trafford for nearly a decade now, it's just strange decisions, strange signings, strange managerial appointments. They just go for these big names, these big profiles, and they don't get it right on the pitch. Um, and then you look at the midfield, but we talk about the best players being Fred and McTominay. Aren't they both out for this game as well? So they've got these few injuries. They're left with players who are out of form, who are playing better as individuals than their team. They're a massive an outfit, and it's the teams that are these big names They're a massive. that aren't these collective outfits that are struggling for top four. It's why United look like they're in the, the strong position now because Arsenal and Spurs have dropped points. But Arsenal and Spurs are in similar positions where they go through a good run of form, get some good results, but the squads aren't complete. The starting 11s aren't complete. And when they're in the position of strength, they fall apart mentally. It's what puts Liverpool, Chelsea and City streets ahead because everything there is tuned to perfection. They've got the right squad. They've got the right sides. They've got the right managers. And it's why they're the elite clubs and the fourth team is just 
the best what the best bad team really like they're not great neither are Spurs neither are Arsenal uh if West Ham weren't trying to qualify for the Champions League by winning Europa League they'd probably get top four because they've actually got a good manager who's got a good team together playing the right way uh it's a bit of a weird situation but then as Doily says earlier that United you judge them by how good they used to be do we also feel that they're a little bit worse than they actually are because of how good Liverpool City and Chelsea are the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Right, let's let's get into our team selector then and uh, pick our team for the game with Manchester United at Anfield. We'll go with Alisson in goal. Uh, Theo, you can pick the back four. Um, I, I said they might change a fullback on our, our journey home and I was laughed at by Mr Doyle and Mr Gorse so I might change that opinion and go to Trent at Robertson with Van Dyke, and you'd imagine Matip's coming back in for this one uh, before the game we were thinking Canate maybe just because he did well in the 5-0 but yeah when you rotate these centre-backs and it's Matip not playing three times in a week you'd imagine Matip is back after having a nice weekend off yeah, albeit that Canate at the moment is, is an absolute goal machine. We didn't get into that in the, the body of the podcast. He can just go and score against Everton then. Yeah, fair enough. Doily, what about your back four? Same. Same, yeah. And Lynch, are you rounding it off as well? Yeah, same, yeah. Fair enough. I wasn't sure if, if Simicast might have come to this one as, as they were saying change the fullbacks, but nope. Okay, uh, Lynch, what about your, your midfield? I think John Henderson's got to come in, hasn't he? I think it's you know he's, he's, he missed Wembley. You you just need that fresh legs in in the centre of the park, and I think the other two sort of pick themselves. It is still a big game, and and although you think Manchester United are absolutely terrible, I do think he'll want to go with sort of a, a, a very strong midfield still. So I don't I don't expect huge changes in there. So yeah, maybe Henderson, Thiago, and, and Fabinho, and and you know Cater can come on for uh, later on, and, and maybe Curtis Jones as well if if, if Liverpool can get a. A bit of a lead up. Okay, fair enough. Theo, your midfield. I think Henderson is the number six for this one, with Fabinho given a little bit of a rest. Uh, Kate can keep his place, and then maybe Thiago can go on the bench as well. And we'll see Curtis Jones start. Do you go along with that, Doily, or are you going to rip things up? I'm going to rip up uh, Theo's team. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Lynch's team. Who is it? Uh, Henderson, Fabinho, and. Tiago. The man of Tiago, that's the one, yeah. Yeah. And what about the, the forward line then, Doyley? Um, Firmino will play down the middle. Salah will definitely play. Wouldn't be surprised if Jota started on the left. Okay. Lynchy, do you go along with that? Yeah, maybe this, this is it. Yeah, I like that, actually. I, I quite like that. I think Firmino deserves a start as well. It'd be good to sort of keep him involved till the end of the season because I think he could be massive off the bench as well. So, if it, so giving him a start, I like the idea of that. Fair enough. And Theo, yourself? Yeah, I'd go similar. I think Diaz is dropping out and it's just whether Mane keeps his place down the middle or not. But they've got the options. They're going to rotate them at some point over the season. They're all in form, getting goals. Might as well have uh, both Firmino and Jota coming in. I reckon there's going to be at least five changes myself. I'm not going to pick the team, but I think no, it'll be... For him and being Lynch's team... Yeah, I just think, you know, the, the Everton game, the 5-2 in, what was it, December 2019, yeah. the title winning season? I think he's I think he's going to treat it like that. I think he's, he's going yeah, to go... They're, they're playing Everton soon. 
Yeah, I get that. Like, but I'm, t- like I'm saying the Everton game is the Everton game. No, because like, Origi and Minamino start that one, don't yeah. they? Yeah. Oh, the, the, the reason the reason I'm saying that is because it's the midweek game. Yeah. Ahead of the weekend game. I think that's the comparison I'm drawing, not the fact that it was it was specifically against Everton and because it's against the side that the the, the team on the pitch don't match the, the name above the door, as it were. But um yeah, anyway, match predictions. Doily, what's the score gonna be? Um uh, well United will score. Um Will they? Yes. Yes, they, 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 I think wasn't there some like strange stat about? I know they didn't score at Everton, but that was the first away game they hadn't scored in it about yeah. sixteen. Don't forget that last season they won like forty-two away games in a row or something daft like that. So they know how to make it awkward, and they've got that kind of um, threat up top for all the rubbishness at the back. But because they are rubbish at, in defence, I think at Liverpool press them three-one. Okay, Lynchy score. Yeah, I like 3 1. I was going to say 3 1 as well. I'm not just copying Doily, I promise. <laughs> just copying me on the... Yeah. <laughs> the, the union. Anyway, we are united. Yeah, are you, okay. By the way, before we go any further, Lynchy, are you worried about Bruno Fernandes because he's obviously a world class talent in your eyes? Him and Luke Shaw are the big threats, aren't they? I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Theo, what's the score going to be? Oh, I'm going to be. Oh. Unless she's gone. I'm going to be boring and say uh, 3-1 as well. I'm not quite brave enough to make that big 6-0 prediction. I'll let you do that one, Guy. No, I'm not going to go 6-0. I, I just think I, I'll go along with that. Probably a two-goal margin, but I do think it'll be quite comfortable. Before well, we've both game. forgotten how to keep clean sheets in the last couple of weeks because the centre-backs are just scoring instead. So, adds up, yeah, doesn't it? As I said, it doesn't matter so much, does it, if they're, if they're scoring is, rather than keeping them out. But anyway, we'll have to wait and see how it does all play out. Remember to keep across the Liverpool Echo website for all of the build-up to the game. And across the Blood Red channel as well. Plenty in the build-up as well as the reaction. We'll have the debrief as well as both managers' press conferences. And as I say, the blog and plenty more besides over on the Echo website. But from myself, Guy Clark, Ian Doyle, Theo Squires and David Lynch before his internet dropped out. Thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.